Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. All right, looks like we're live this morning. I had uh, a little bit of a problem with YouTube. I'm still trying to figure that one out, so don't hate me. Um, let me get everything set up here and make sure. All right, well, <clears throat> let's go ahead and get started and we'll see who joins us this morning. I have learned that I can go back and edit these videos, which <laughs> makes life a little bit easier. Uh, but as you come in, just uh, let me know you're here and I'll say hello to you wherever I am in the study. Uh, it's 8.05 on February the 16th and last week, we we did an introduction and a background to the book of Acts. The um, all of these studies are here on Facebook, then but then I'm also taking them and I'm putting them over onto DwayneSpearman.org. Uh, you can go over there. I'm 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 not only plugging in the video after I convert it to a YouTube, which you can subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Um, but I'm also dropping it into my blog. And then what's unique about the blog is on the bottom <clears throat> of the blog, I'm putting in all my teaching notes. So you can actually read um, the notes that I'm actually referring to as I'm teaching. So uh, that might be uh, of help to you. Uh, so uh, those are there, and you can take a look at that. And then also, I'm converting the, I'm converting it into an audio file, and I'm throwing it up onto SoundCloud. So, so you've got Facebook Live, you've got YouTube, you've got the actual blog. And then you've also got it on SoundCloud. So there's plenty of places where you can found, find this, this teaching uh, when you need it. Let me just try to do one more thing here. And then I'll go ahead and kind of review what we did last week and pick up uh, for this week. So there you go. Good morning, Scott. How you doing there, buddy? Um, there you go. I'm still playing with all this <laughs> technology. I found using my Bose headphones just gives me a lot better sense of sound. So we'll see how how that goes as well. So good morning. You can you can hear me. That's good. So uh, it was good talking to you the other day on the phone, bud. Uh, it's good to be on the journey with someone else. <laughs> so, but anyway, let's go ahead and uh, get started. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, we will, brother, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Once the cat's out of the bag, uh, it's time to start uh, <laughs> answering questions. So <laughs> we shall see. Um, uh, I, oh, thank you. I, I broke out my most, my fanciest t-shirt for this event. But uh, anyway, uh, just to get started. Uh, the, um, 
about a year ago, as I told you, you last week, um, I started, I had met someone who was very strong covenant theology who had actually come down, um, the road from dispensational theology to covenant theology. And it just confused me as to why. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I heard him out and, and, but then it began to challenge me, you know, because most of us, let's just admit it. We, we've learned what we believe. Um, we, never really question the assumptions. Um, and that kind of challenged me to start questioning assumptions because <clears throat> I tell the college kids, I do a college Bible study every Sunday night. Um, you know, you need to know not only what you believe, but why you believe it. And most of us as regards in regards to the, what we believe it's just what we've been told. Um, of course I've, I've dug a whole lot deeper than that in my life, but I really zeroed in on dispensational uh, theology. And um, so I started my own journey and <clears throat> I started writing a, uh, a Bible study for the, for the college guys on the fundamentals of Bible interpretation. And what I found is that not only I, but many people that I know were violating those fundamentals of Bible interpretation. Uh, because as <clears throat> dispensationalists, we, we were literalists. So we, we take, you can't be covenant the theology and, and take the Bible literally <laughs> covenant theology spiritualizes, allegorizes to arrive at their, where they're going by its dispensationalists. You know, we say we're literal. Well, you know, we, we are, but then I found there was inconsistencies. Uh, for example, I've taught the Bible many times, uh, yet when I get into the book of Revelation, you know, I start spiritualizing chapter two and three in the seven churches, uh, which, hey, is one of my hallmarks, man. I love teaching that um, as a history teacher. Um, you know, uh, I weave all that history in there, but, you know, I mean, I, I spiritualized it. Um, and it just really challenged me. Um, and, uh, and then I went over to second Peter, you know, no, no portion of subject, no prophecy of scripture subject to private interpretation. Uh, it means what it says <laughs> and to determine what it says, you've got to determine who is speaking, who they speaking to, and what did they understood, understand as being, having been said. Um, that's what the interpretation is. And most teaching today, I think you'll agree with me, is very applicational. Uh, we just read a portion of scripture, i.e. salt covenants and the gospels. And, you know, when we start talking about salt and you're the salt of the earth, and we immediately make an application to Christians, how that we are preservative and, you know, we, we sustain life and, uh, we bring guilt, you know, like the stinging of the salt and all that. And all that's true, but that's not what the verse means. <laughs> Interpretation of the verse is that they are the children of the salt covenants. It's speaking to Jews. So you got to make an accurate interpretation in order to give an accurate application. So um, 
the first thing I came up with is the Bible must be rightly divided in order for it to make sense and never contradict. Uh, and you know, as well as I do, you can read, you, you can read the writings of Paul and then you read the writings of Peter and it looks like a contradiction because Paul saying you're saved by faith through works, not of yourself, lest any man could boast. And yet Peter's over here telling everybody they need to get baptized and they need to repent. James is over here saying you need to get, you need to be doing good works. Um, you know, and yet, you know, we've, we take those and we kind of mesh them together and we say, well, they're actually complementing each other. Uh, well, you know, you're, you're twisting the scriptures a little bit to get to that, but I understand I've done it for years. I'm, I'm guilty. Um, you know, but Paul told Timothy, you need to show yourself approved a workman of God, uh, right. The rightly dividing the word of truth. I mean, the very fact that Paul uses the word dividing presupposes that there are divisions in the Bible. Um, and we need to determine where those divisions take place. Um, and then we also looked at some of the bad results last week that if you so many bad doctrines that are in the church today's roots are in the gospels. Um, when you talk about baptismal regeneration, that's the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, when you talk about works to be saved, that's gospel of the kingdom. When you talk about the church, um, is now Israel, that's replacement theology. Um, all millennialism, you know, stay, full, stay faithful to the end. All that stuff comes out of a misinterpretation or an, and a misapplication of the Gospels. Then we talked about the distinctiveness of Paul. Um, Paul, I believe that Paul was the first to be saved in the body of Christ. Um he said that he was um matter of fact uh let me see here uh paul that's over in uh in timothy uh, if i can if i can find it there in first timothy 1 16 how be it for this cause i obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them that should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. So, so Paul is saying, I'm the first, you know? So, you know, and what I found on this journey is that when I ask one question, another question emerges, you know, and it's, it's very confusing. It, it, it causes you to keep your mouth shut because you realize that you don't have the answers. Even to this day, I still have many, many, many questions, but every time I find those answers, I find myself going back uh, to the truths that I'm sharing with you now. Paul was distinctive. Paul was the only one that wrote to the body of Christ. Uh, his writings, Romans through, Romans through Philemon, is where we get doctrine for the church. There is no doctrine for the church in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, first several books of Acts. Uh, there's no doctrine uh, of the church uh, found in 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation, or even in Hebrews. Um, 
Paul wrote distinctively to the church. The other apostles wrote distinctively to the nation of Israel. And we'll talk about that as we move along. Um, so the distinctiveness of Paul's ministry uh, was very unique. Um, and as I shared with you last week, when, when the day of Pentecost was Joel 2, chapter 12 chapter 28 through 31, you know, that was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders for the introduction of the kingdom. And that's what the apostles were preaching. They fully expected the kingdom to come onto the scene next. Um, and of course that didn't happen. So let me just get back to my notes here. So, so I don't get too lost here. Um, I've got, Another thing in regards to interpreting the Bible to remember is the distinctiveness of Paul's revelation. That was that was the hidden mystery or the church. As such, the 13 epistles, Romans through Philemon, are of supreme importance there in this dispensation of the church or what we call grace. And we need to understand that the apostles, John the Baptist, even our Lord ministered to the house of Israel and with a message of an offered kingdom, if the nation would collectively repent. It was a call for national repentance, not individual repentance. And that's why even though 3,000 came to know the Lord on the day of Pentecost and another 2,000 or 5,000 later, depending on how you interpret those verses, it wasn't enough. <laughs> there was, I mean, there were hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem at that time of year. Uh, the, the message was overwhelmingly rejected uh, by the nation itself. The nation never did repent, and thus they rejected their Messiah. They rejected his offer of the kingdom. Therefore, the kingdom was postponed not to be offered again until the tribulation period. And that is the fulfillment of Daniel's 70th week. Uh, the 69 weeks were fulfilled up until the coming of our Lord. And then he was cut off. He was cut off. He was crucified. And of course, the kingdom was legitimately offered after his crucifixion. Uh, and it was roundly rejected. So the kingdom was postponed. Okay. And then we also talked that uh, one of the Many, uh, one of the failures I see in the New Testament is that we believe it started in Matthew chapter number one. Even though our Bibles do have a little blank paper in the middle that says New Testament uh, between Matthew, Matthew and Malachi, it didn't start there. As a matter of fact, it could not have started until after the crucifixion and the resurrection, uh, as we looked at last week in Hebrews chapter nine, verses 16 through 17. Um, and Hebrews 9, 16, 17 says a, a, a testament is not in force until after the death of the testator. In other words, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the kingdom could not have been offered. They kept saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's, it's near, it's close, not here. Uh, it could not have been legitimately offered until after the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Lord, which would have been Matthew chapter, I mean, Acts chapter number two and the day of Pentecost. That's why Peter said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet 
Joel. So, you know, of course, when you figure that out, you start, well, I thought the church was born in Acts chapter number two. No, uh, you could say that was a kingdom church, uh, but the kingdom church was made up of believers, even under the teaching of Jesus himself. Um, so it wasn't the body of Christ that you and I have always been taught that it is. Okay. Uh, so all of the gospels are old Testament. The new Testament could not have begun until after the death of the testator at the earliest Matthew 27, 51, when Christ died. So to rightly interpret the Bible is to understand this. Um, and we're so tempted and I've done it to pull the teachings of the gospels into the church. If you do, you end up in confusion. If you do, you end up teaching baptismal regeneration. You end up teaching, you got to endure to the end to be saved. You're going to be teaching amillennialism. You're going to believe that we are in the kingdom and we're not. Um, you're going to believe that the covenants are for us. They're not. As the body of Christ, we are not living under a covenant. We are living under a mediator. Uh, we're not living under a covenant. Uh, so the teachings of Paul are, are supreme importance, and they are alone where, where the church gets its doctrines. Um, this also means that the gospel that Paul received from God himself was different than the gospel that Jesus and the apostles taught in the gospels and the first part of the book of Acts. Now, before you, and again, people get unhinged at this, um, the apostles had no clue that Jesus was going to be crucified. We know that, you know, but it was hidden from them. In Luke chapter 18, 34, 31, and he took unto him the 12 and said unto them, behold, we go up to Jerusalem and all things that are written in the prophets concerning the son of man shall be accomplished for he will be delivered to the Gentiles and put to death. And third day he'll rise again. That's Luke 18. And in verse 34, it says, and they understood none of these things <laughs> because it was hid from them. They did not know that Christ was going to be crucified. Uh, they didn't have a clue that that was about to happen. Um, and bear in mind, he, when he told them that, it was right after he had commissioned them to go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Um, the apostles were not preaching the gospel of grace that Paul preached. Paul's gospel was different in that it included the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. There was no death, burial, and resurrection of Christ prior to the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. So whatever gospels, whatever gospel the apostles and Christ and John the Baptist were teaching was not the same gospel of grace that you and I teach today. Um, the gospel all throughout Paul's epistles, he says that his gospel was exclusively delivered to him. Um, in Galatians chapter one and verse number 11, but I certify brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ, Paul knew something that the other apostles did not. In Hebrews chapter three and verse number two, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me to you word, how that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery. 
as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. It was a mystery. The apostles did not, the, the 12 did not understand the mystery. The mystery was not revealed to them. And, and Romans 2.16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, not according to our gospel, not according to their gospel, according to my gospel. There was a unique gospel that was given to the Apostle Paul. In Romans 16, 25, just another proof. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret since the world began. No one knew it. It wasn't seen in the Old Testament. No one knew it. It was delivered exclusively to the Apostle Paul. In the book of Galatians, chapter 1 and verse number 15, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, <clears throat> where did I go here? Called me by his grace. I flipped my screen over just now. Um, there you go who called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen immediately. I conferred not with flesh and blood. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to them, which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. He didn't receive the, he did. He was, he didn't receive the, the same gospel that the apostles before him had received in Galatians two, two. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them, which were reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So the bottom line is that the gospel that Paul preached was different from the gospel that the other apostles taught. There's no way around that. I have a study on, <clears throat> on, on how many gospels there are mentioned in the Bible. And there's at least four. <laughs> you got the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, you've got the gospel of grace. You've got the everlasting gospel. Um, uh, I mean, there's just, uh, there's different gospels that are taught. They're all on my blog. If you want to take a look at those, I think you would find them to be uh, very interesting. Um, he taught, there were different gospels in the Bible. People will tell covenant theologians will tell you, it's always been the same gospel. The church, Matthew, uh, Adam and Eve, they were the two or three together, together in my name. That's always been the church. The, the, the body of Christ has not always been. Uh, the body of Christ was not born in Acts chapter number two. Um, the body of Christ was born with the Apostle Paul after the revelation of the mystery had been delivered exclusively unto him. Now, he eventually went back and shared that the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter number 15. He shared that with them and they all agreed. That's great, Paul. You take the gospel to the uncircumcision and we'll take the gospel our gospel to the circumcision. So the conclusion is that 
When interpreting the Bible, we must remember that Paul's gospel is unique to the church. Only he received the revelation of the mystery that had been hid from ages and from generations, but was now being made manifest to the saints. In Colossians chapter 1, verse number 26, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So completely different gospel. We need to understand that. Uh, if you if you don't grasp the fact that the, the 12 was preaching a different gospel than Paul, you're going to see contradictions and misunderstandings in the scripture. That led me into dispensationalism. I believe that the apostles were dispensationalists. Um <laughs> uh, in the way they reviewed, they viewed scripture. To them, it was simple. And look at, read the text. The Messiah had come as per the Old Testament prophecies. He was going to restore the kingdom. He was going to fulfill the Davidic and the Abrahamic covenants just as God had promised. They saw everything just taking place uh, one right after the other. No, they did not see the cross. This is evidence both by their increased questioning as who would be the greatest in the kingdom prior to um, his crucifixion, Peter's rebuke of Christ for even suggesting his purpose for returning to Jerusalem was to die. Uh, however, eventually the cross did come. They were demoralized by it. But after the resurrection, there was some obvious clarification laid out by Christ during the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. So I think for 40 days, as these guys are with our Lord, he begins to clarify with them why the cross had to happen. In Hebrews 9, we already talked about that. Uh, the cross had to happen uh, because Hebrews chapter number 9 uh, we didn't get into this, but in Hebrews chapter number nine, verse number 15 ish, he says in verse 15, he was now and for this cause, he is the mediator of the new Testament that by means of his death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first Testament. So he had to die in order to make permanent atonement for the sins that were committed under the first Testament. Those sins had to be remitted. Now I'm on a little path here and you can go down it with me. I, <clears throat> I'm trying to determine if there's a difference between remission and forgiveness. And I'm, I'm, I, I just have enough to be dangerous at this point, but, um, uh, because of the two different gospels. Um, but definitely their sins were going to be remitted. And that means they were going to be completely covered. Uh, the whole forgiveness and remission thing, you know, that I'll keep going down that road. And if you find something, you let me know too. Uh, but, uh, the sins had to be covered in order for the new covenant to be offered. And apparently after that, they were totally re-energized because the purpose of the cross had apparently been made clear to them. And moving forward, their focus stayed the same. 
in that they were still looking for the restoration of the promised kingdom. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time again restore the kingdom to Israel? They were still looking for that kingdom. They never stopped looking for that kingdom. And this is evidenced by the fact that their message never changed. It still remained as it was in the Gospels. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. They're, they always, and this is the clincher, the apostles, the twelve, continued to preach the kingdom gospel up until Pentecost and even after Pentecost. Um, sadly, yes, their message was rejected by the nation of Israel and God raised up Paul to start what would become the church age. So Matthew, all the way through at least Acts 7, 8, is all Old Testament. There is no birth of the church, the body of Christ as we know it, in those chapters. Um, then I've got a lot of a lot of notes here. I hope you're tracking with me because my head's getting ready to explode as well. It's just so much information. Um, and then I, I started to look at the Apostle Paul. When Paul first became converted, the only thing he knew was the gospel of the kingdom. He couldn't have known the gospel of grace. It hadn't been revealed to him yet. So Paul was preaching initially the gospel of the kingdom, just like the others had taught. But apparently he received something at some point between his departure and return back to Jerusalem 14 years later. Paul had learned something different. Because he keeps saying my gospel in Galatians 2, 1. Then 14 years after I went up to Jerusalem and Barnabas and I took Titus with me. And what did he do? That was the Jerusalem council in Acts 15. He began to share with them this gospel that Paul, that God had to reveal to him. The mystery of the church. <clears throat> the gospel of grace. And no doubt. You know, you, you, Peter and the others realized that something was changing. Um, I was talking to someone the other day. I mean, the, the conversion of Cornelius, but you're already over in Acts 10. Paul had already been converted. Um, but Cornelius, I mean, think about this in, in Acts chapter two, he preached that Pentecostal sermon and they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do? And he said, you need to repent you be, and be baptized that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter number 10, that's not what happened with Cornelius. Cornelius believed and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Something was going on. Something was different with Cornelius. Well, number one, Cornelius was a Gentile. That's why Peter didn't want to go to him in the first place. But something was going on. God was cluing Peter into a transition that was taking place. Now, we know that Peter was still functioning under the gospel of the kingdom because after he'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, he turned around and said, well, you need to be baptized <laughs> because he was still operating under that. He did not fully understand what was going on until Acts 15. 
when Paul came back <coughs> and explained it to him and the others more thoroughly. Now, it was at that point that Paul's gospel was confirmed by the twelve. And then they departed. The twelve still remained with the Jews in Jerusalem, still looking for this kingdom, still preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And Paul went to the Gentiles preaching the grace gospel. So, again, they are not the same. The first is still under the law. The other is under the new dispensation of grace. And it also must be understand that the timeline never changed for the apostles. And when I refer to apostles, Paul was an apostle, but I'm talking about the 12. As for Daniel's prophecy and many others in the Old Testament, their expectation and hope was that Israel would eventually repent nationally. I asked the pastor this last year. I said, what if, what if the Jews had repented? What if national repentance had occurred what would have happened and you know he he kind of blanked on me i said well the clock would have started ticking again in other words daniel's 70th week would have commenced if there had been national repentance um, and that's what the apostles thought was going to happen they believed that they would preach just as they were told to do so, that Israel would repent, and then Daniel's 70th week would start up again, which means they were expecting the tribulation. And if you read the writings of Peter and Jude and Revelation, what are those books dealing with? Prepare for the tribulation. Prepare for, you know, um, persecution they expected that to happen next. Um, that's why when you read their letters, First and Second Peter, I mean, what's he talking about? You know, gird up, it's coming. They, they continued to write, they continued to think. I mean, if you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first seven chapters of Acts, pull out the rest of Acts, pull out all the Pauline epistles, and then back up Hebrews, Boom. <laughs> That's what should have, could have, would have happened had the nation of Israel repented. Um, but it didn't. You know, it, it didn't happen that way. So there is this division in it where God showed mercy and grace to the house of Israel. He should have judged them. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. He showed them grace. Actually, the church was an act of grace on the nation of Israel. Um, but if you, again, you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, first seven chapters, pull out all the Pauline epistles, back up the book of Hebrews through Revelation. You, you have a timeline of what woulda, coulda, shoulda happened, but didn't. Um, so the apostles were dispensational in their thinking. This is reflected in all of their writings without exception. And I believe this remained a hope until the eventual destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Um, you know, there's, I know you've studied this, you guys have studied this before, but a lot of people thought that John would still be alive at the second coming of Christ because of what he told him 
when what he said to Peter about him, what is that to you? If he remains alive till I come, what is that to you? And it went abroad that that apostle would remain alive until the second coming of Christ. Well, that is probably what should have happened, uh, but it didn't because the church age was inserted as an act of mercy. Uh, so one would do well to remember this when reading anything between Hebrews and the Revelation in the New Testament. Hebrews through Revelation. Who is Hebrews written to? Hebrews. <laughs> I mean, it, it tells you pretty clearly there who is written to. Who is James written to? Um, the tribes. Well, which tribe are you? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you just look at them, they're not written uh, to us. They are still addressing the nation of Israel. I mean, so it was written to them, though it might be for us, but it wasn't to us. He wasn't directly writing to us. So when we get over in the book of James and we start trying to balance it out, all of these works to be saved stuff, and then we start rationalizing, and I've done it. I preached some, some fabulous sermons on, on balancing out uh, Paulinian epistles with James. Uh, yeah, but James wasn't talking to us. He was talking to the nation of Israel who was still under the law. James was still proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, which still required works. They had to repent. They had to be baptized. They still went to the temple. They still went to the synagogues. And as we get into the book of Acts, you'll see nothing changed after the resurrection for the apostles in, in their behavior or what they did. Uh, nothing changed. Uh, the apostles were always addressing the believing Jews and preparing them for the tribulation that they fully expected would come. Always, in all their writings, it never changed. Paul, on the other hand, had turned to the Gentiles and the establishment of the church, the body of Christ, which included Jew and Gentile. And there was an overlap there, as I was discussing with Scott the other day, that, you know, gets a little murky uh, because, you know, Paul was addressing people who had were believers under the gospel of the kingdom. And yet, on the other hand, he was also addressing people that had no part in the kingdom. He was addressing believers that had believed the gospel of grace. And you have to be careful as you're reading through Paul's epistles who he is addressing. Um, I'll throw another caveat at you. Uh, and again, this is one of those things I'm just studying. You do it on your own. But when Paul uses the word saints, um, I'm coming to believe he's addressing the believing Jews. He's not addressing you and me, the body of Christ. Uh, because in, in some of his openings, he mentions the saints and the other believers. Well, well, I thought we were all believers and we're all saints. Well, not according to some of Paul's writings. It looks like he's calling the Jewish believers saints. Um, so anyway, just something to throw at you there to confuse you even further. As such, the apostles were teaching the gospel of the kingdom that required repentance and baptism. Paul always preached the gospel of grace after the revelation of the mystery was given 
to him. And the, in conclusion, unfortunately, it is clear from the writings of Paul. Now, this is another twist that I've come to realize. Um, the churches that Paul founded turned their backs on him. Um, he even mentions that, that they had forsaken him. Um, and this is a part that I, is still a big part of my studies I encourage you to look at it too. Um, but they were still um, at some point they rejected Paul. At some point they were trying to place themselves back under the gospel of the kingdom. And we know that because of Galatians. Um, and I see some of you guys are putting up some questions. I'll come back and take a look at that real quick. But in Galatians, uh, let's see, chapter one, verse number six, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ to another gospel. What is Paul talking about? He's obviously saying you were called Galatians here. He's, you know, he says you were called by the grace of Christ, but now you're putting yourself back under another gospel, which is no gospel at all. I wrote a blog the other day uh, that I'll read to you real quick. After having studied replacement theology, covenant theology, dispensationalism, or what I call Acts 2 dispensationalism, which means the body of Christ was born in Acts 2, and mid-Acts dispensationalism, which is the body of Christ was not born in Acts 2, but with the revelation of the mystery is given to Paul. What now? How does it apply to my faith and my walk with God? For starters, I can now classify the books that I read, the churches that I attend, the gospel, are, are the people I listen to. Now that I know that there is a difference, it's easy to spot which of the above they subscribe to. I mean, think about that. All you got to do is sit there and listen to them talk for just a few minutes, and you can tell whether or not they're teaching replacement theology, covenant theology, um, or Acts 2 dispensationalism, or Acts, uh, or what we call mid-Acts dispensationalism. You can tell very quickly if you just start listening to them talk. And you know what I'm talking about. Um, it says um, they're either teaching the gospel of grace or they're teaching the gospel of the kingdom. Or like most, they're teaching a mixture of both. Um, <clears throat> there is no doubt that both the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace are indeed true gospels. But they're different. And that the first is exclusively for the nation of Israel, while the second is exclusively for the body of Christ. And according to the Apostle Paul, mixing them is no gospel at all. You see, you can mix grace with law, or is it you can mix law with grace, but you can't mix grace with law. I mean, under the law, you could be shown grace. There was nothing wrong with that. But under grace, there's no law involved. Um, and my point here is if you mix them, you lose everything. 
And that was the false gospel. That was the no gospel at all that I believe that the Apostle Paul was talking about. They had turned their backs on that. So anyway, I've got so much here. Um, uh, I've got here this just just my conclusion. Let me just read this to you real quick. Hope I'm not losing you. Um, okay, Scott said I look official. I'm glad to hear that. Judy, hey Judy, how you doing? <laughs> I'm Roanoke on that side. So do we find the time represented in the Book of Acts as a transition period, Scott? You bet. Uh, the Book of Acts has to be reviewed as a transitional book. Um, there is a transition and I actually have a, a blog called back to Antioch, uh, that I put up or I will put up, but, um, uh, there is a transition away from Jerusalem and the 12 to Antioch and Paul. There's a transition taking place. There's a transition taking place from the gospel of the kingdom to the gospel of grace. As a matter of fact, when we get into the book, one of the first things I start looking at is the difference. Because like in Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Christ for the remission of sins and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. But by the time we get to Acts chapter number 16, in verse 31, and they said, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I mean, there's obviously a transition taking place there. Uh, in Acts 2.45, and they sold their possessions and goods and parted, and parted them to all men as they had need. But yet we get over to Acts chapter number 11. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to rescind relief unto the brethren was dealt in Judea. Why were they having to send relief to them? Because they sold everything that they have. Christ told them, sell everything that you have, pick up your cross, follow me. Um, they sold it all expecting the second coming. And when it didn't happen, the Gentile churches had to send relief to the Jerusalem churches. Um, and again, you're talking kingdom churches and grace churches. Okay. Um, in Acts 12, 11, and when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of surety the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And yet you end up over in Acts 26. Uh, this man might have been set at liberty had he not appealed to Caesar. You see, under the, the first part, they were delivered. Paul wasn't delivered. We see the same thing in regards to healings. Uh, in the first part, people were healed, but Paul wasn't able to heal everybody. There was a transition taking place um, in Acts 2, 4. And they were all filled with Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirits gave them utterance. Yet you go over into uh, Acts 28. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that. Paul had spoken one word. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, in Acts 2, 4, they're all in community and in Acts 28, you know, they couldn't agree among themselves. So, yeah, Scott, uh, the book of Acts is definitely to be viewed as a, a transitional books. Uh, well, I'm following Paul as he followed Christ. You're right. And again, you, you say that today to people and they look at you like you're a heretic. 
Um, so, uh, but I mean, it's pretty clear what's going on there. There's a transition. The book of Acts has to be viewed as a transitional book or you will, uh, you will interpret it incorrectly. Um, oh, I've got I've got a whole sermon series on back to Jerusalem and how we need to be like Acts two forty two breaking the bread and prayers and you know and um, but that's not what we need to do. I, like I said, I'll put up my teachings on back to Antioch um, that comparing the Jerusalem church with the with the uh, the church of Antioch. I'll put that up. Um, let me just give y'all one more thing and then I'll I'll, I'll sign out. I appreciate you being. So patient. It's good to see you. I see Aaron there as well. Aaron's in Texas. Uh, Julie said, Judy said, is your belief aligned with mid-acts? Yes. That Paul was the first one in the body of Christ? Yes. Uh, Judy, for sure. That's exactly uh, what I'm saying. Uh, and at the top of the uh, the the recording, I I went into to show that Paul was the first one to be converted into the the body of Christ. Uh, he was the first. Um, and again, uh, I see some smiley faces there, but uh, you mentioned that to folks. Uh, they just get all bent out of shape over it. But, you know, what, what we're talking about here does not violate the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Uh, I believe there's five fundamentals that we have to hold on to to be believers. Um, and I call it Davis. That's how I teach my kids. D-A-V-I-S. The deity of Christ. Jesus Christ was 100% God, 100% man. He was son of God, son of man. The that They call that the hypostatic union. Uh, he was God in the flesh, God incarnate. Uh, I find it interesting. Those who don't believe that he was God in the flesh still believe in the incarnation. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, we have to understand the deity of Christ. It's, it's, it's essential to our, our faith. The atonement is a, uh, in the old Testament, there was only a temporary partial atonement. That's why Christ had to come and die so that those sins could be permanently atoned for. We believe in the, the permanent atonement. That's why I do not believe you can lose your salvation. Uh, your sins are permanently covered, never to be dug up again by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And to say anything different is placing yourself in the gospel of the kingdom. You're getting that from the gospels um, and you don't have enough faith in the in the atonement. Um, the other thing is V, D-A-V. V is the virgin, the, vir the virgin birth of Christ. Christ was born of a virgin. Uh, Mary was miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit uh, as prophesied with what's called the Proto-Evangelium in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, between you and your seed, I'll, um, the virgin birth. Christ was born of a virgin. Now, I was actually at North Greenville University. Scott will be familiar with that. It was, used to be North Greenville College. And one of the professors failed me on a test because I said you had to believe in the virgin birth in order to be saved. Uh, so D-A-V-I. I is for uh, inspired uh, or uh, uh, the inspiration of scripture. Uh, the word of God. Everything I know about the living word is found in the written word. 
everything I know about God, everything I know about the, anything about heaven, anything is from the word of God. Uh, and if what you say or what I hear or what I say does not line up with scripture, um, it cannot be believed. It has to go back to scripture. Once you get beyond, you know, how many of you guys have seen Acts 29? Uh, that's a big ministry now. Uh, if you look in your Bibles and you go to Acts, it ends in 28. There's only 28 chapters, but they'll, it's called Acts 29 ministries. In other words, again, that's just a misunderstanding of what's going on in the book of Acts. Uh, we are not continuing Jerusalem. Uh, and then the S is the second coming. So you have uh, the divinity, the deity of Christ, the atonement, uh, the virginity, the inspiration of scripture and the second coming. Christ is coming again. And whether you are a wherever you fall, whether you're an Acts 2 dispensationalist or you're a mid-Acts dispensationalist, which pretty much everybody that walks on my side of the street is uh, even covenant theologians believe that Christ is coming back again. Uh, so again, what we're talking about here is not heresy. Okay. It's just, we all come to the scripture with a lens through which we see it. Uh, if you come with a lens of, of covenant theology, you're going to see the church as Israel. You're going to see the covenants for the church. You're going to see the church as the bride of Christ. Uh, you're going to see us as kings and priests unto God. Um, you're not going to separate the house of Israel from the church. You're going to see them as one in the same. And that's wrong. It's clearly wrong. Um, so, Again, that Davis, uh, those five fundamentals of the faith still remain. I think I got uh, all of your questions there. Um, and I guess that's about it. Um, let me just one more thing before I go. Uh, I believe what happened historically is Augustine was the pivot point, if you will. Uh I believe that as the churches began to reject the gospel of the grace under Paul and they began to place themselves back under the gospel of the kingdom, they began to spiritualize everything. And Augustine of Hippo was the first one that we have in writings that began to do this. So if there is no physical kingdom, then it must be a spiritual one. If there is no physical second coming of Christ, then we must have a substitute for that, which is the vicar, which is the Pope. And the church is the way of salvation. Peter is, a, you know, the popes are descendants of Peter. All of that resulted as a rejection of the gospel of grace and the church is placing themselves un back under the gospel of the kingdom. And unfortunately, the Protestant reformers did not reform that. Uh, they did not reform that at all. Uh, that's why most, well, all mainline Protestant churches still embrace that spiritualization of Scripture, that allegorization of Scripture, covenant theology, for the most part, or a mixture of the two, uh, because they refuse to see the difference between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel 
of grace. So anyway, I've been with you guys for almost an hour now, and uh, I think I've done uh, I'm, I'm done with my introduction there. I probably got a few other things, but next time we get together, I'm going to start in Acts chapter number one and verse number one. And we're going to start working our way through the book of Acts. So anyway, it was good to have you guys, uh, Scott and Judy and Aaron. Uh, God bless you. And um, if you have any questions, just let me know. I want to be there for you. Um, and uh, I'm going to take this video. I'm going to upload it to YouTube. I'm going to put it on my blog at DwayneSpearman.org. And then I'm also going to put the audio version up on SoundCloud. So, uh you know, it's available in many different formats for you to take a look at. So, but God bless you guys. And uh, uh, just remember, God always loves you and he wants the best for you. And he's working all things out for our good. Talk to you later.